You're listening to the Analysis Mason podcast with Tom Rebeck, and I'm here with Ibrahim Kassaji. In a previous podcast, I talked with Eulalia Marin about eSIMs and the consumer market, and we'll link to that discussion in the show notes. But in this episode, we're going to turn to IoT and eSIM. IoT has been a pioneering segment for eSIM, and it's also leading the move to iSIM. And we'll talk about that emergence of iSIM, as well as discussing the new GSMA standard for IoT eSIM in this uh, in this podcast. So, Ibrahim, thanks for joining the podcast. Let's start with the the two terms, eSIM and iSIM. Uh, what do they mean? What are the differences between them? Yeah, so there's three types of SIM. So firstly, there's a physical SIM, which we're probably all familiar with uh, in your phones. It's a piece of plastic. You can remove the SIM uh, from the device. Uh, and eSIM is different in that uh, it's non-removable because the SIM is soldered into the circuit board of the device, so you can't physically take it out. And then iSIM takes it a step further, so it's similar to an eSIM, uh, but the difference is rather than the SIM being on a separate chipset, um, the SIM and the processor and, and the cellular radio is all on a single system on a chip of the device. Uh, so, so the main difference is it, uh, the iSIM takes up much less space on the device circuit board and, and it's much smaller, it, it's very tiny uh, compared to a physical SIM and an eSIM. And then, yeah, and then there's, there's one other distinction to make, which is EUICC. So there's a lot of confusion when people say eSIM, iSIM, they sometimes interchangeably mean it with EUICC. Um, so by EUICC, we mean a GSMA compliant solution where the SIM, you can swap the, the SIM provider remotely over the air. So that kind of functionality to switch the provider is what makes an EUICC. The EUICC can be in any of the form factors. It can be physical, eSIM or iSIM, but that switching capability is what makes an EUICC uh, versus uh, a, a non-EUICC. Right. Okay. But obviously, so, so e, just to be clear, so eSIM and EUICC, they're different things, but obviously there is a, a, a an obvious um, crossover. There's obviously benefits when you've got an eSIM that's soldered to the to the chipset. Um, uh, the you need to, if you want to be able to to change the provider, then EUICC allows you to do that. Obviously, with a physical SIM, you can just take the SIM out and replace it. Now you can't do that with an eSIM. So there's obviously obviously um, benefits of having both EUICC and eSIM together. Let's talk about why eSIM is particularly relevant for IoT. And I guess this leans into what I said earlier about why it's always led the, the move. eSIM has been generally ahead of the consumer market um, in, in the transition. So, so why is eSIM particularly relevant for IoT? Yeah, so if you look at where eSIMs came from, so it was mainly driven by the automotive sector. Um, so the automotive sector is kind of the biggest IoT sector, kind of pioneered. Uh, IoT in terms of volume of large number of cars with a SIM card, um, and the automotive sector they they kind of pioneered embedded SIMs. Um, so, kind of as a as a couple of measures. Firstly, just to 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 keep the SIM in place by embedding it, so there's no chance of it falling out or, or getting damaged um, in the various conditions the car is in, and also from a security aspect of with a physical SIM, you can can take it out of the device. So uh, there's a kind of a security aspect of, of you can't do that with an embedded SIM. So so on the on the eSIM side, that's where so automotive industry kind of led it there. Um, and, and with IoT devices, they can, they can be all around in, in various conditions and weather conditions and uh, in, in moving vehicles and so on. So the need to protect the SIM um, and, and keep it secure is what led the eSIM side. And then on the EUICC side, again, that kind of came from mostly from 
automotive where devices could the car could be manufactured in one country and then go to another country and have the ability to to remotely switch the sim provider over the air without having to physically be wherever the car is uh, that kind of led the development of of e-sims and eycc um, and then the other industries followed there from automotive okay okay makes sense um i think you partially answered my, my next question but it was really about why e-sim has moved faster in iot than it has in the consumer market yeah, so I think with the, on the consumer side, the kind of added benefit of having an eSIM, clearly there is a benefit of it's much easier of switching profiles and for anyone who's had a phone and they've changed providers uh, with a physical SIM, you have to wait for a new SIM to arrive and get the pack code and so on. Um, and that simplifies it with eSIM. Um, but from an IoT point of view, there's, there's much bigger kind of financial saving for the enterprise of if you have thousands or hundreds of thousands of devices with SIMs in and you want to switch to a new provider, uh, having the ability to switch all of those sims at once without physically having to to send a truck to wherever the devices are which could be spread all around the country which comes with a significant cost um, so having the ability to do that digitally over the air provides a cost saving for the enterprise um, so there's kind of a driver there for euicc and eSIMs in iot which is why it came first um, and then yeah and so there's kind of pressure from from the oems particularly as you said in automotive where very large firms with a very large number of devices. Um, so there's kind of a, a cost advantage of them of pushing the kind of digital solutions. So it kind of came first in IoT and in consumer, kind of the drive isn't quite as big there. The cost savings uh, to the end user isn't as big a deal for a single device. So things have been a bit slower, but uh, but yeah, eSIMs have gradually come as, as a device manufacturers have come on board. Yeah, and I, I think that that buying power is an important point. When you've got a car company that's buying hundreds of thousands of, of, of sims, potentially millions of sims, then they have much more buying power than than any anybody else. So they obviously wanted to move to eSIM for the reasons you talked about, security, robustness, but also they wanted that, that switching ability. They didn't want to be locked into a provider for the whole lifetime of the car. So they you they were able to to leverage their, their buying power and make that make that happen. Um, let's talk then about some recent developments. So you've written um, about what's going on with the, the GSMA, um, and I also mentioned that the move to, to ISIM. So maybe just touch on those developments and what they mean. Yeah. So firstly, on so the GSMA, it's an organisation which kind of defines the specifications for eSIM, so of of how to provision and produce eSIMs in a standardised way, which the operators and simvenants and so on follow to to be GSMA compliant. So the first GSMA eSIM specification. Uh, so the M2M one came first around 2016. Um, and it kind of worked quite well for, for large automotive firms. As I said, they were the, the early takers, so they kind of led what the specification looked like. And the specification kind of works well for, for large enterprises, which have a big fleet of devices. They're trying to, to switch a whole bunch of devices at once. Uh, for an OEM, they're kind of happy to pay the cost of facilitating that switch of investing in the eSIM platform and kind of the integration cost between one operator and another that comes with the original specification um, and the car manufacturers were kind of happy to pay that it's quite small relative to kind of the price of the car and so on but that specification didn't work so well for for smaller enterprises with a smaller fleet of devices um, and also for things like low power devices so kind of smart trackers or simple trackers where the power is constrained and you want the battery to last as long as possible the original specification didn't work very well with that. Um, and we didn't see much actual profile switching in process because that, that kind of switching process, the way it was designed, was quite expensive and, and technically difficult. 
So the new specification the GSMA has come out with in the last year, the IoT specification, um, it's much closer to the consumer specification where it's not as controlled by the operators. So, um, so when the enterprise wants to switch, it, they kind of send a request up to the SIM vendor and it's managed through there. So rather than having an operator as an intermediary in between, you're kind of removing some of that friction. Um, you don't need to invest as much in kind of the integration with the operators. So in theory, with this new specification, there's, there's two main effects. Firstly, it should be easier to for profile switching, uh, which is good for the enterprises, not necessarily good for the operators because there's a chance of increased churn. Um, but the second thing, which actually may be good for operators, is that uh, eSIM and, and kind of low-power wide area applications haven't been a good fit in the old specification. They should work better now. So if you take narrowband IoT, for example, it basically didn't work with eSIM because the first specification required SMS, which MBIT doesn't support. So with the new specification, there should be kind of a boost to LPWA market, and, and that should help operators of, of driving those connections, uh, developing new use cases, which haven't seen the uptake they've seen before. Okay, okay, good. That, that, that's clear on um, the GSMA um, and the specification. And what about ISIM? What, what are we seeing there? Yeah, so ISIM, it's kind of, it's, it's much newer. Uh, it kind of it's only really came about kind of three or four years ago. So we started with lots of trials and proof of concepts, and we're just starting to see that translate now to commercial deployments. So we've seen some examples. So so Sony Semiconductor and ARM, they've done uh, commercial chipsets and and modules. Seen people like Quetel, uh, Sierra Wireless as well. So the kind of the wider ecosystem has kind of moving beyond trials to to actual commercial deployments. So now you can find actual devices which have iSIM uh, inside. Um, and for the operators and, and kind of MVNOs as well, they're now starting to think about how they get involved. So Vodafone has been quite involved. Um, we've seen uh, MVNOs like SI uh, and Truephone. They've kind of launched commercial iSIM solutions as well. So it's kind of one to keep an eye out for of, of the movement to iSIM. It's going to be slow. It's early days. Um, you know, lots of IoT devices which are already in the field. They, they may be there for, for five years, 10 years. They've already got a physical SIM or eSIM. So they're not going to rush to replace those with iSIM. But we will see the industry kind of gradually move towards iSIM. It's kind of somewhat inevitable because once iSIM reaches kind of high volumes, then they can be produced at a, at a much, much lower cost. So that it's kind of a no-brainer that the industry moves there eventually. Um, but yeah, it's just going to be a matter of time to, to get there. So move from physical SIMs to eSIMs and then to iSIMs. That's kind of natural evolution, but it's going to take some time to get there. Okay. Okay. Good. That's clear. Um, finally, um, you've written about these topics um, and a few different articles and reports. Can you just give us some details of those? Yep. So for, for IoT specifically, so we've written some case study profiles on the main eSIM and iSIM players. So that includes the SIM vendors, the chipset makers, the operators who are doing interesting things. Uh, some, some good case studies in there. Um, an article we wrote earlier this year, which, which delves into the new GSMA specification in a bit more detail. Um, and thinking about what the implications are there and what it could mean for, for operators on the wider market. Okay, perfect. And we'll put links to those in the show notes. If you'd like to automatically receive future episodes, please subscribe to the Analysis Mason podcast. We also welcome your comments, feedback, and reviews. Thank you for listening.